Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, this is The Bright Side with Technisha. A daily broadcast on real-life issues that will keep you motivated. And now, here's your host, Technisha. Good afternoon, everyone. Today is May the 11th, 2014, and I'm glad you're tuning in to another episode of The Bright Side with Technisha. And I would like to say Happy Mother's Day to all my mothers out there, and I hope that you are really enjoying your day. And for the ones who are not and maybe even expecting Happy Mother's Day in advance to you as well. But on my show today, I have an inspiring story for all of you. He's an encouraging man, very inspirational. His name is Dr. Carl Helvey. He is a, well, he's a 38-year long count survivor who, who was given six months to live by conventional medicine, so he used natural interventions. And his story and what he has done since to prevent recurrence is included in his book, You Can Beat Lung Cancer, Use Alternative Integrative Interventions. And at the age of 81, he not only beat the odds of lung cancer, but also the odds of three chronic illnesses and five prescribed medications that are the average for a 75-year-old. So let's give our warm welcome to Carl. Carl, how are you today? I'm just great, Hanisha. I'm happy to be with you. I am, too. Your story is so encouraging. I mean, this should have went national. It should have been, but it never has. I've tried, but that's all I can do, right? Right. Shoot, this is one of them. I know this is an inspiring story. This is something you cannot overlook, but I hope that we'll be able to get others to tune in today. So first I want to ask, Carl, how devastating is lung cancer in the United States? Well, we hear of breast cancer, we hear of prostate cancer, we don't hear as much about lung cancer, but actually lung cancer kills more people than breast, prostate, and colon cancer combined. And they estimate that within, uh, you know, that one out of every four families will be affected by lung cancer in, uh, you know, in their lifetime. So that's a lot of people. That is. And I, you know, stories like this always get me motivated because I have had a lady, um, I forgot her name, Jana Flagg. Jana Flagg, mm-hmm. that was her name. And she was an ovarian cancer. Um, I had another gentleman. He was a leukemia cancer survivor. So I love things like this that you can overcome. And I think most of the time, Carl, you can overcome this. you got to believe in God. You've got to know. Oh, definitely. Right. Because right. you could do this. You, now, you went the natural way, and which is good, but in order for you to do that, I, I think that it has to take that first step in faith. Nothing could be done without faith. Right. I agree. And it was actually uh, God that got me to the doctor in the first place because I had a dream that told me to go for a chest x-ray and I pay attention to dreams because I believe that this is one way that God speaks with us. And so that's how I was diagnosed initially. And I kind of knew I was going to come through it because I figured that God was with me. And if God's with you, who can be against you, right? (laughs) Right. Right. I do agree with that. No one can be against you with him on your side. Right. So 
What was your purpose for writing this book, You Could Beat Lawn Counsel, Use Alternative Integrative Intervention? Well, I mainly wanted uh, two things. I wanted people to realize that they need to have all the information they can have so that if they are faced with a cancer diagnosis, they can make the decision that is right for them. Uh, and second, I wanted people to know that when the doctor says you've got six months to live, that's not a medical diagnosis. It's a God diagnosis, and only God knows when we're going to die. And, you know, I'm an example of that. Here I am 39 years later when I was given a six-month prognosis. And so I wanted people to not pay attention. I think the doctor means well when he says, You've got six months. I think he thinks that he's helping people to get their life in order. But I think it's doing a disservice because our mind influences our body. And many people will take that as fact and they will have a self-fulfilling prophecy and they will die in three months or six months. You know, uh, because the mind has a big, such a big influence on our body as well as our spiritual aspects. So... So that's also why I used a holistic approach, because I feel that if in public health we always considered that a disease was a process resulting from multiple factors that led up to that process, but in public health they looked at man, the disease agent, and the environment. But I tend to think that if there are multiple factors, then that lead up to a disease process, then you need to use multiple interventions to reverse that process. And so I tend to look at the physical, the mental, the spiritual, relationships, the environment, and politics, because these all influence our health. Right. I agree with all that. So, Carl, you say you believe you are the longest living lawn cancer survivor after being given six months to live. Why do you believe that? Well, I went on the Internet a year or so ago, and I started looking at lung cancer survivor. There's one site that's called Longevity, and there's another site called IQ or Cancer, and then there's a third site. And people thought if you lived five years, that was terrific. And then I found a man that was from England who died in 2010, and he had uh, lung cancer starting in 1972, and I, mine started in 1974. And when he died, he was the longest living lung cancer survivor. So I figured that that must make me now the longest living, and no one has challenged this. So at this point, I'm still thinking that I am, but if someone comes along and can prove that they've had it longer, fine. I mean, I know you hold your title, blood call. I mean, this is this is unbelievable, and and I think that we can all learn something from you, Carl. That you can be whatever age you are. You just have to maintain a strong mind. I, that's what I think. And mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. this is so powerful. This is this is nutritional for all of us today. I mean, like I said, it should have been a national story. I think you're an incredible man with a lot of information. Now, lung cancer has a few symptoms before it becomes advanced and difficult to treat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why do you seek medical attention? 
Well, uh, I went because I had the dream. And so when I had the dream, I went and my doctor did uh, x-rays. And then they came back with a spot that hadn't been there previously. And then they uh, asked if I'd come for a biopsy. So I had a biopsy, which uh, showed that it was lung cancer. And 39 years ago, they didn't have the technology they have now, nor did they have staging. So I was never, you know, told that it was a certain stage. I suspect that it may have been stage one or two, and the reason being that most lung cancer, when it's diagnosed, is stage four because wow. you don't usually have many symptoms before that. And it's usually when it has metastasized somewhere else. Like I've talked with a lot of uh, lung cancer patients in the last couple of years, and the biggest problem with them seems to be when it goes to the bone, and that causes so much pain. And even the Laetrile, which is what I used, would not does not seem to touch the pain that these people have. And so I suspect mine was stage one and or stage two. And I also think the reason that mine probably has not gone national is because I did not use traditional. And people are so oriented to traditional in this country, and you know they tend not to trust alternative, although that is beginning to change. But I think that uh, the drug companies make a lot of money off cancer. The uh, Cancer Society stays in business. The doctors make money. Uh, hospitals have wings donated. There's just so much money. It's a multi-billion dollar industry, and the people that are making money from it do not want to disturb that. And if I had national attention as living as long as I've lived and using natural interventions and not having any other chronic illnesses since, can you imagine what people would start thinking? Why? They think the way I think. (laughs) (laughs) That it's all, that a lot of it, I shouldn't say all, but a lot of it is a money-making business. Why? And I think a lot of people, when it does come to their health, they probably wouldn't mind doing alternative sources for some things, but people don't want to probably gamble with things like that, especially with diabetes or high blood pressure. You'd be too afraid, so you get dependent on these these living-selling supplements. Right. Well, it takes a lot of faith, uh, Tanisha, to go against medical practice uh, because... They often will use a fear tactic, like with cardiology. You know, um, I had an experience recently. Now, I had never had any chronic illnesses, but recently I had a heart problem, and the doctor, you know, told me I had to go on meds, and I said to him, well, I don't mind dying. And he said, yeah, but you could have a stroke and end up in a nursing home. Well, that's scary, right? And so I think that they scare people into going on the meds. So at the time, which was back in December, I said to him, well, I will go on your meds until I find out what's causing this. And once I find out what's causing it, then I'm going to want to come off that. And if you will work with me to come off it, then I will go on them. And he said, yes, he would. So I went on his meds. But then when I was ready to come off back in uh, 
well, a, month, a little over a month ago, he was very angry. He said, you can't come off. I said, I can't come off. It's my body. It's my right to make the decision about what I do with my body. All I want now from you is to tell me how I come off these drugs. Well, he didn't even give me accurate information on how to come off. He told me to come off the beta blockers in three days. And my friend, who's a naturopathic doctor, said, what's he trying to do, kill you? I said, why? He said, because he said, you have to take a week to two weeks to come off the beta blockers. So I checked with the pharmacy, and they told me the same thing. And then I looked at the literature that had been uh, given me when I got the medications, which said the same thing. And my friend sent me articles that said you could have sudden death or you could have a heart attack or all kinds of things if you came off in that three-day period. So I think the whole process is very frightening to people that don't have a strong faith. And as I say, even with a strong faith, it can be frightening because I consider that I have a strong faith, but they scared me when they said I could have a stroke and end up in a nursing home. But then when I did more reading and more exploring, you know, I find that it's not that, you know, it's not exactly the way it's presented to you as a patient. Right. And then we got to look at it, too. These, these are just doctors. And to, the way it is today, really doctors are like sales reps for pharmaceutical companies. And not too many of them try to really find that root cause. And their main thing is to they recognize that Jesus, they prescribe you these pills, and that's about it. That's how it, that's how it goes. It's, it's back and forth. It's not, oh, let me give you this alternative medicine. No, that's, that's too good. They got it like right. you said. It's, it's about a money. All this is commodity. I can't make money if I suggest these alternative solutions right. to you. So right, right, I right. Do, I do understand your call. Yeah, I do. Yep. I understand. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm working with just natural things now with my uh, heart problem, and I haven't had any problems. Um, when I asked to come off, I had not had a problem in two months, and so I figured that, you know, there was no reason why I shouldn't come off. Now, I did have one after that, uh, but I have uh, followed a uh, – I've added to the protocol that I was following and I think I'm on the right track now. So uh, I don't take anything. Uh, you know, I take a lot of supplements, which I don't like, because even supplements can interact. But, you know, I feel like that it's the best thing for my body. Uh, and the reason I take so many is I take some for my eyes, because they've wanted to do cataract surgery for six years, and so I handle that with herbs. Uh, I have an enlarged prostate, which most men my age do, and the, my uh, urologist said that I could, uh, you know, all that the drugs would do would be to relieve the symptoms. They wouldn't cure it, and so he said if I wanted to use herbs, that was fine. So I used herbs for that, and now I use herbs for uh, the heart problem, and then I use some just to maintain my health. So, you know, after when you put those all together you end up taking quite a few herbs. And I'm also very careful about my diet. And the reason being that with the genetically modified foods that we 
are subjected to and with the uh, growth hormones and all the pollutants in our food. Um, and I would advise any cancer patient or anyone that wants to prevent cancer that they do the same, that they eat organic if possible or locally grown foods if they know the farming practices. Because when I had lung cancer 39 years ago, you didn't have to worry about the food. But now you do because it's just very polluted. And again, it goes back to money. This food got too much going on in the hormone steroids. And that's why... To be honest, why these little girls they be looking a certain way, and mm-hmm. and I, I don't care if it offends anybody on the show, but we know what we're talking about. It it makes these girls look like they're older than they are because all this steroids, the hormones that they put in this food, it doesn't make any sense. I remember when I was in school, one day I was watching a documentary on it was about chickens and farmers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they saw how they they do these chickens, and the chicken was falling over. Call, I mean, it was so big it couldn't yeah. stand up on its own. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing they do have done for years with chickens is that they illuminate. They leave the lights on all the time so the chicken will grow faster. And the other thing is they tend not to clean out the chicken poops and they give them antibiotics so that they don't get disease from all the crap in their chicken poops. And then, you know, people that eat that, the antibiotics are still in the chicken, and then, you know, people are, be, are developing uh, resistance to the antibiotics. So there's a lot of practices going on that are not desirable. The other thing I think has become a problem is that people are developing more um, sensitivities to food, like gluten sensitivity, uh, sensitivity to wheat and oat and things like that. And I think that some of that is related to the genetically modified foods because it has become so foreign to our body that our body is not able to, uh, you know, absorb it like it did in the past. And I had an example. I've developed gluten sensitivity in the last uh, month or two. And the other day I was uh, eating a cookie my friends in Germany send me a box of cookies every Christmas, and uh, I put them in the freezer, and then maybe once a month I'll pull out a cookie and I'll eat it because I don't usually eat much sweets. And I ate a cookie, and when I got finished, I thought, I bet that had wheat in it. And I looked, and sure enough, it did, and I had no reaction to it. But if I'd eaten something from the United States with wheat in my blood pressure would have gone up. My pulse would have gone up. I'd have become very cold. I'd have had all kinds of symptoms. So I and and Germany does not have the genetically modified foods. So I think that some of our problems are a result of the food that were offered in the supermarkets. Right. I do agree with that. We just gonna have to start going back to trying to eat natural produce, grow our own food now. Like, it's getting ridiculous. So, right, right. Paul, after you saw the doctor, what happened? Well, I came home and I prayed about it, and I had a good friend who offered to pray and ask for guidance with me. And so we prayed and we uh, got a definite answer that I should treat it naturally. And so... 
my friend Ursula referred me. She knew a doctor in northern Virginia who had treated cancer patients naturally at the National Cancer Institute, and he was closed down. So he continued doing it in his private office, and uh, I had to sign forms that I wouldn't report him. And it was, uh, I found out uh, in the last couple of years that within five years after I saw him, the Virginia Board of Medicine had uh, taken his license. And I felt very bad about that because the only thing he was doing was trying to save lives. But I went to him and he told me to take Laetrile, 2,000 milligram a day. Uh, now they recommend 3,000 for the first 21 days, and then to switch over to the 2,000 if you're taking the oral. Um, uh, it's, it has uh, cyanide in it. The traditional literature will say it has cyanide in it. It will kill you or send you to the emergency room. I said ignorance is bliss because I didn't know that, and I didn't have any reaction to it in the two years I took it. But what they don't tell you is that the cyanide requires enzymes to activate it, and the cancer cells have those enzymes, but normal cells do not, so that it is very specific to cancer cells. They will activate the cyanide. It will kill the cancer cells, but it doesn't affect the normal cells. I took zinc, which is, helps to carry the laetrile to the cancer sites, Mm-hmm. I took high-dose vitamin A, and by high-dose, I mean I started at 300,000 international units the first week, then 200,000 the second week, then 50,000 for the next year, and the recommended daily dose is 5,000, and it's a fat-soluble so that the excess is stored in the fat and not excreted like the water-soluble vitamins. Uh, the theory behind that was that it would prevent the normal cells from converting to cancer cells. And about three weeks ago, I saw some research that just has proved that. So they used um, high-dose vitamin A with uh, precancer cells uh, in a uh, strain of mice that were known to uh, develop, and then they gave the mice the cancer cells. Uh, They also gave it to those that already had cancer, and they gave it to post-cancer. And in the pre-cancer, the cells never converted to cancer cells. So that proved that the vitamin A was effective in preventing normal cells from converting to cancer cells. I took high-dose vitamin E, another fat-soluble. I took all kinds of vitamin Bs. I took bromelain, uh, which is an anti-inflammatory if it's taken between meals. I took a yeast. I took lecithin. I took calcium, magnesium. Uh, I was on a diet. Oh, I took a, a pancreatic, uh, I mean, I took pancreatic enzymes that are very important when you take laetrile because they soften up the cancer cells. I took a digestive aid, which has since been shown to cause uh, liver problems, and so it's not recommended anymore. Uh, I 
was on a diet that was 75% raw fruit and vegetables with some additional cooked. I could have grains. I could have nuts except peanuts. Peanuts are a high source of protein, so they were not allowed. I could have no protein, so no meat, uh, dairy, uh, chicken, none of that. I could not have simple carbohydrate, and uh, I did this for two years. I think, if I remember right, I did add a little bit of fish toward the end of that period. Um, and it seemed, and now they also, most of the doctors recommend a lot of fruit and vegetables, and there's been so much research on the value of fruit and vegetables in preventing and treating uh, cancer. Like uh, one thing that I use is pomegranate. And I take a capsule because you can get a lot more in a capsule than you can in, uh, you know, take just drinking the pomegranate juice. But one capsule of the pomegranate will prevent prostate cancer, according to the research. And if you have prostate cancer, it will reduce the size of the tumor. And the other thing that I did was when I my PSA, which is a test for prostate cancer, went mm-hmm. up to 12, and I took uh, I started taking the pomegranate, and within three months, I think it was, my test was back to four, and in another month it was back down to three something, and so you know I know that it has some effect on the prostate. Uh, I take cran, cran, something called Cranmax, which is comparable to eight glasses of cranberry juice. This is not for the cancer, but this is also something that's very effective. And women know a lot more about this than men because they tend to have more urinary tract infections. Oh, yeah. And, yes, cranberry and, juice. And one Cranmax is comparable to eight glasses of cranberry juice. So you can take that and you don't have all the calories. You don't have to do all the drinking of the cranberry juice. And I don't seem to ever get urinary tract infections anymore. I think people in the past thought men never got them, but they do. But women get them more often than men. So I think that God has provided all kinds of things for us, and we've screwed up a lot of them. Why? But what are, what are still natural are effective, and the research is showing that it's, they're effective for cancer and for other things. Why right. it's so it's so many fruits and vegetables out there that we don't even know that have so many servants that will help towards cancer. I mean, if you got anything in your refrigerator, take a look in your refrigerator today, people. Get started now. These are some quick little antidotes that can really help you, but you don't have to end up with cancer and get that bad news one day. But definitely cranberry juice it works wonders. If you you have yeast infection, if you don't have one, which is good. Yeah, um, cranberry juice would definitely do wonders. Right, sure. right. Yes, I'll hit it right on the note with that one. Now, Paul, well, I really would like to know, um, how did your family and nursing medical colleagues react to your decision when you chose to do um, alternative interventions? Well, my mother, and I knew she loved me, but my mother's attitude was, well, her her vocalizing was, 
well, why don't you just do what the doctor wants you to do, and then you can do these other things. So I think back then, and still to some extent, people were so had so much faith in what the doctor said, and that was the main thing that they knew, and my mother was concerned that I would die if I didn't follow what the doctor said. And so I knew she meant well, but I mean, it, I knew it also wasn't for me. My colleagues, most of them, would not even talk about it. But if they did, their attitude was the same. Just do what the doctor wants you to do. And then, you know, do these other things besides, but don't just give up on the medical profession. So I was fortunate to have my friend Ursula, my one support. And I think that is so important for cancer patients to have a support system. And even if you don't agree with what they're doing, I think you need to support the decisions that they've made. You know, let them be in control of their own, you know, health and health care. I mean, if someone decides that they want to do, like my, an example is my brother. He would develop lung cancer last year. He was 91 years old. I knew that for me that was not right, but he had a 40-year relationship with his doctor and he wanted to do what the doctor wanted him to do, which was radiation. And I knew that that was not right, that that was not going to do anything. But, you know, he he wanted to do it. So I, the only thing I did was I asked him if he would take Laetrile in addition to the um, radiation. And he said, yes, he would. He said, you know what you're talking about. And I said, great. But his memory had gotten so bad, I don't think he remembered to take it a lot of the time. But they gave him, a 91-year-old man, they gave him five days a week for five weeks radiation. Now, that is just too much. He lost 65 pounds. He couldn't eat. He didn't have any energy. Uh, And a couple weeks later, he went to go to the bathroom. He couldn't walk. They put him back in the hospital they uh, did a CAT scan. His uh, tumor had not shrunk at all. So then they decided, that, well, they could do chemo. And my brother's daughter said, I just want him comfortable. And they put him in a nursing home, um, in a hospice. And he died within two weeks. So I believe people need to make their own decisions. We should not interfere with that. But they should have all the information so they can make the right decision for them. I agree with you because we do. We put too much of our trust into these physicians, and we got to make sure they're trustworthy as well. When it comes down to it, as I was always told, make sure you research your doctor and make sure your doctor isn't practicing outside his or her field. And um, just be cautious of the ones who may advertise too too much. And if you got to ask the others, staff in the hospital as well and get a second opinion that's always the best thing because they will just put out anything and like you said we we assume that they are trustworthy because they got a degree or they or they look like they're friendly but you know i was looking online one day they said a michigan oncologist um mm-hmm. he was arrested he was arrested for allegedly running a multi-million dollar scheme to defraud medicare and he was accused mm-hmm. of diminishing 
on ministering um, chemotherapy to patients with no real chance of survival and misdiagnosed patients that weren't in charge for their expensive treatments. And he was persuading these patients to undergo millions of dollars worth of treatments that they didn't even need. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is who we put well, on another trust. thing that's happening is that I'm finding in more and more areas of medicine they're using nurse practitioners and physician assistants that provide most of the care, and then right. they kind of oversee. And I think that, you know, they're overloaded sometimes. It's like the cardiologist I mentioned. He has uh, all, all nurse practitioners that are providing the care, and then he comes in for a couple minutes at the end of each uh, time I went. Well, you know, there's no way one person can keep up with uh you know, uh, that number of people. And I think that the system is just uh, making it almost impossible for the doctor to do what is best for the patient because he can't keep up with the number of patients. So I think that's also uh, interfering with some of the medical care that we're getting. Right. I do agree. I agree with that all the way. What we're going to do is end up taking a short commercial break, and we're going to come back with Paul and talk more about his book and about his alternative interventions that he acquired so much. So please stay tuned. Don't touch that dial. There's only one station that will keep you happy, Blog Talk Radio. We're taking more of your calls at 347-426-3751. Stay tuned. We'll be back after this commercial break. So I'm a dog, and I just got adapted by this new human guy, and I'm starting to wonder how he got along without me. I mean, okay, something as simple as walking around the block. He's got this leash thing, and he puts me on one end and him on the other, and I'm just taking him around. I I think he's afraid of getting lost. Without that leash and me guiding him along, I don't think he'd find his way back home. But it's kind of cute. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. All right, we're back, and thank you for chatting with me and my chat on Blog Talk Radio. You can also chat with me on at Day 60 on Twitter or my Facebook fan page, The Bright Side with Technicia. And once again, Happy Mother's Day to all the ladies out there. I hope that you're enjoying your day. So I'm back with Carl, who is a lung cancer survivor. I mean, and this is totally amazing. It's a, it's a miracle. It's, it's beyond a miracle. It's, it's just, oh, it's just, you just have to know and experience it. you got to believe in God. It's so wonderful. Now, Carl, were there, before we left off, I know we were talking about your family and nursing and, and we talking about the belief and trust with the doctors and your family then trusting these natural re- regimens that you were doing, but were there any side effects that interfered with your daily life? No. I had no side effects to anything. I continued. I was teaching at the university. I continued every day. I um, continued my research, my writing. I had no side effects at all. I continued walking every day. And the walking, again, you know, is so important. The research now is showing that exercise is so important for everything. You know, you you think, well, yeah, it's important for weight loss and it's important for cardiology and things like that. But it's also, they're finding, uh, a preventive 
and part of a treatment plan for cancer. So the uh, exercise is very important. But I had no side effects at all, nothing. Wow. Wow. Part of that, that is just amazing. If you write about that walk, it's good for your health, too. And, I mean, the benefits, they are extraordinary. Um, mm-hmm. And if, if, even if you can't get at least an hour, try to do, manage at least 30 minutes a day. That's what I mostly would tell people. And it, and it reduces so much. It's, it reduces the risk of having heart disease, diabetes. You Not only that, but you also have a stronger heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I think your, your mental outlook will be more positive. You won't have to pay as much on health care. Definitely that. Right. Oh, it just improves your quality of life. So go walk. Matter of fact, every if you if it's not too cold outside, wherever you are, go walk in a day. Feel good about yourself. It, it, mm-hmm. it and it reduces the fuel on your car. You don't even have to worry about wasting gas if you walk. Right, right. <laughs> One thing I didn't mention, uh, Tanisha, is yes, that I added the mental spiritual to what the doctor gave me. He gave me all of the physical things to do. And I think doctors still tend to give you the physical. They tell you what physical things to do, but they rarely, uh, they're beginning, but it's not too often they get into the mental, spiritual. So mm-hmm. I did prayer, I did meditation, I did affirmations, I did visualization. I tried to serve others. I uh, tried to develop my faith and my patience. And so I did a variety of mental and spiritual things day-to-day also, and as we mentioned earlier, I think the faith in God, or faith in a higher being, for me it's God, uh, is as important as any of the physical activities that uh, the doctor prescribes. You probably wouldn't have been able to overcome none of that if you didn't have that belief. That's what we were mentioning. You've got to believe. You can do all you want. You can do the natural causes, but if you don't have that faith, faith Nothing can really possible. You've got to believe. And I right. hope you did that. And the doctor's not going to tell you that. No, they're not going to say, no, yeah, go through it, pray about it. No, no, no. They're not going to do all that. Nobody can tell me that they have to have a doctor that sit in the room with them and say, oh, yes, praise the Lord. You go on here. Do your natural thing. Yeah, right. They're going to sit down and write that prescription for you. Here you go. $30 when you get to the counter. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the other thing is I think faith is at the opposite end of a continuum of fear. And the research now also shows that if you are positive in your outlook and you're positive with other people, etc., you'll attract positive results. If you're negative, you're going to attract negative results because people say we, we create our futures by how we think and how we act. And I think there is something to that. So I think that's another reason that faith is so important in overcoming cancer, because it is a positive emotion. It is. All about law of attraction. When you just attract, positive attracts positive, negative going to attract negative. And that's so true. It all falls down to that. Now, Carl, what was really the outcome of your intervention? Well, the outcome was that I uh, overcome cancer, and I went back to my uh, uh, primary doctor every six months for x-rays. 
uh, because that was the only way to measure the progress. And I didn't tell him I was doing anything. So he thought we were in a wait-and-see mode. And after two years, the spot was gone. So he said, well, I guess I made the wrong diagnosis. Well, I told that to my friend in um, North Carolina who was professor of pediatrics when I taught at Duke. And at this point, he's the medical director for Blue Cross Blue Shield. And so he said, well, I want to see the lab. I want to see the biopsies, the x-rays. I want to see everything. And so I collected everything, and I took it to North Carolina. He reviewed it, and he was the third person that said, yes, it definitely was lung cancer. So that was the first outcome. The second outcome was that I followed a modified version of the lifestyle with the prayer and the meditation and the affirmations and all, plus the close to the diet, but I did add some fish and some chicken and uh, and I did switch to organic from, you know, the regular food. And I had no chronic health conditions until, as I said, I developed the heart condition in December. And I take no prescribed medications now. So that was the second outcome of this uh, lifestyle. Ooh, I tell you, you got a strong guy. That that power is very strong, and that healing power is even stronger. I tell you, people out there, it really can make some changes if you only believe that you've got to believe. Yes, you do. Now, right. what are some outcomes of alternative interventions by medical contributors in your book? Well, one of the people that wrote a chapter is Dr. James Forsyth, who yes, is in Reno, Nevada. And he follows uh, groups of patients and looks at the outcome, and he measures the outcome in terms of five-year survival. And his patients are all stage four cancer patients. And so he's done three studies, and the most recent study was he used uh, poly-MVA, and he added some homeopathic uh, substances to it. And he followed all stage four patients. I think there were around 500. And he followed them over five years. He had a 46% success for all cancer patients and a 39% success for lung cancer patients. And to put that in perspective, the five-year survival for stage four for traditional ranges from 2 to 5%. So he's having much, much, much greater success with his treatments, and they're natural, and they don't have all the side effects and all than with the traditional. Then Dr. Contreras, Francisco Contreras, is at the Oasis of Hope, and they have treated over 100,000 cancer patients using a holistic approach that is the mental, spiritual, physical um, they use high-dose vitamin C. They use um, some insulin potentiation therapy. They use some laetrile. They use a variety of things. And then they send the patient home with things that they take at home. And his five-year survival is about 9% compared to 1.6% for traditional so he's also having a much greater uh, 
success rate than the traditional. Then I had a chapter in the book by Bernie Siegel, who's done a lot with the influence of the mind and the emotions on the body. And I had a chapter on nutrition by uh, Dr. Uh, Kim Dossel, because nutrition is so important in all uh, parts in all types of cancer. And I had a, a chapter by Tanya Harder Pierce, who has become the authority on Protocell, which is a low-cost home treatment for cancer. And I wanted, because I've worked a lot with the low-income and the homeless populations, I wanted treatment, a couple treatments that would be low-cost that they could afford if they, you know, um, which they couldn't go to a clinic or couldn't afford some of the other more costly interventions uh, because none of this is, tr- is uh, covered by health insurance. And that, again, is why I believe that, you know, health, as I mentioned earlier, it's physical, mental, spiritual, relationships, um, political. So it requires working with the political process to bring about change so that alternative treatments will be accepted uh, and reimbursed for for uh, patients because, uh, you know, most people cannot afford. It can run up to, I think I heard that one of the people in, in Mexico charges $7,000 a week. Well, how many people have that kind of money? Right. I take medication and mine is $60, and they told me if I didn't have health insurance, it could be up to 6000 I think they told me, and I was like, no way, Jose. I, yeah. I just tied the it's, it's really sad, though, if you don't have health insurance. And then I I don't really agree with Obamacare too much. I don't think that's as helpful, but, you know, if you can get health insurance, please do so because, the paying for that mouth is no joke, and not going to the doctor is another is not another joke either. I know a lot of people are afraid to go because of the medical bills, but I rather see about my health than to end up regretting it later. So right. Well, yeah. I think the problem with Obamacare is that they tried to get something in, and there was so much resistance to having any kind of a national health care that they took what the best they could get, thinking that eventually they would be able to introduce and change it in a more positive way. So I think that's why it has ended up. I think the heart of the president and some of the other people was in the right place, but there was so much resistance. Remember when Hillary Clinton tried to pass, develop a health care plan back when Bill Clinton was president? And again, there was there was a lot of resistance, and so a lot of people. It's the same with minimum wage. You know, there are people that think that people that are making minimum wage are making enough, but these people cannot afford to buy food for families and things like housing and the things that are required for at least some sort of uh, uh, you know resemblance of a healthy life. And but then again, there's people. That, you know, and so it's just, it's sad that people, that some people do not want other people to have a decent life. 
instead of everyone trying to help everyone else have a decent life. You know, and so again, back to Obamacare, I think they were trying to have a plan that would reach everyone, but there was so much resistance they it was watered down, and they ended up having to take what they could get, hoping that in the future they could you know introduce other things that would make it better right. so I think that he meant well, but there was just so much resistance to it that he had to take what he could get. I mean, that's just my my thoughts on it. I don't know a lot about it. But I do know that Hillary Clinton also tried to develop a health care plan, which I thought was pretty good, too. But there was too much resistance to that, too. It, it was. It, it was. And, I mean... Hopefully, hopefully we'll get things on track with everything else, and I hope the Obamacare. I hope it improves better. Right, but, right. Mm, I think it's going to require spiritual uh, a spiritual intervention of some sort. I think it'll come about spiritually before it will come about physical, right. which all things do. All things begin at the spiritual level and then they move to the mental, and then they move to the physical. So I think that there'll have to be a much broader spiritual awakening before there can be uh, equality and and, uh, decent living for everyone in the physical reality. Yeah, because that was her main main thing, too, Hillary. She was trying... She wanted the affordable rate for people out here because we know with these chronic diseases that it could cost the arm and leg, and she wanted for people who might have some financial challenges, she was proposing a health care tax credit that would make health care for everyone affordable. Because it's not. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. easy trying to get health care. Because right now, if I don't keep my job, if I try to get Kaiser Permente on my own, it will it will be pricey. Yeah, it would not oh. be two little dollars. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the mm-hmm. thing. That really is. That, that's really right. sad. It makes, you, it makes you feel obligated. You have to stay on a job that even if you don't like, you have to stay on there for 20-plus years because you're afraid that if you go on your own, you're going to have this high deductible health insurance. And, and then it takes a while for it to be deductible. So, oh, uh, it's, right. it's just too much, Carl. It really is. Yeah, yeah, right. So, so what did, they, what did the doctors really give you to break down the tumor? Uh, that was the laetrile <clears throat> with the cyanide in it and the enzymes that activated the cyanide and killed the tumor. Plus the vitamin A prevented the normal cells from converting to cancer cells. So those were the two main cancer killers, but... Uh, they also required the pancreatic enzymes, as I say, that soften the cancer cells and the zinc that uh, helps get the laetrile to the sites. So it was really the whole protocol that he gave me. Uh, one piece of it probably would not work without the other pieces. That's why a lot of people, um, you know, don't want to use this because it's, they think it's a little too complex. In fact, one person wrote a review on Amazon on on the book and said it was too complex. His wife didn't want to use it. Hmm. So, 
But, you know, life is is complex. <laughs> I think people often just want the pill, you know. They think someone can give them a pill and that's going to take care of it. But uh, as we know, chemotherapy does not always resolve the problem sometimes. But, in fact, often it comes back and it comes back more resistant, and there's been research that shows this, that it comes back more resistant because they didn't get it all in the first place. But I think people tend to think, well, there's a simple solution to getting rid of cancer. Just take the chemotherapy or just have the surgery, and surgery may work in some instances, you know, because if you remove the tumor, then, you know. But if you don't change, to me, I believe, that if you remove the tumor and you don't change your attitudes and emotions and behavior, that tumor is going to come back. That these are learning experiences for us. And if we learn what we're supposed to learn, then the tumor won't come back. Right. you gotta have a, you got to have a positive thought. And what suggestions would you give or strategies for someone who has a negative thought on life? Who has a negative? Yes, sir. Well, I think a lot of people, you have to wait until they're ready to change, but there are exercises that people can do, and I've got a lot of those in both my uh, You Can Beat Lung Cancer book and also in the earlier book, which was Healthy Holistic Aging. But there are things that you can do to develop your faith. There are things you can do to develop patience. I think a good way to start to become more positive is to develop the spiritual attributes and, you know, see positive results in your life. Or you can start out at the mental level and you can start take a day and just smile at people and say, hello, how are you today, to people that you don't know and see what kind of response you get back. And if it's positive, keep doing it. Or, you know, I think that uh, sometimes when you drive, in a car. Now, that's where I get very impatient is in the car. And so I sometimes make an effort. If someone cuts in front of me, I'll say, God bless you. Uh, I hope, wish you a safe journey instead of getting defensive and upset, you know. And so there are things you can do to just react or to initiate things in your environment that's more positive, and get feedback and then see how you feel when you're getting back the different feedback. Does that make sense? It does. It really does make sense, especially if you're a mother. and <laughs> You have <laughs> getting on your last nerves. <laughs> I definitely okay. do understand. There are people who will make you upset, but you got to learn how to actually control it, especially when, you, <laughs> as you said, Carl, when you're out there on the road, you definitely have to maintain because road rage is the number one killer apparently out there on the road. Besides, right. text, besides well, texting will probably be number one. Then I would say number two would be road rage. Right, it's, right. It's, oh, but it does ig you a little bit when you're when you're right in that lane and someone who doesn't even put on a blanket just jumps right in front of you and you're so close yep. to hitting the back and you're like, really? You didn't even have on a blanket? Are we doing this? But... You, you just got to learn how to breathe it in and breathe it out. <laughs> right, right, right. And, Technisha, I haven't tried being a mother in this lifetime, so you know more about that than I do. 
lines are getting on my nerves right now. They know when I have a show on. And then apparently I tell them, I say, be quiet. Then all of a sudden, they might be quiet about five to eight minutes at the most. <laughs> and then I still hear this loud rucket. And I'm like, didn't I just say be quiet? It, it's always something between those two. It never it never ends. Mm-hmm. But now, mm-hmm. <laughs> Carl, you have a new book out. Can you tell us about it? Or just give us a little bit of well, the book is You Can Beat Lung Cancer Using Alternative Integrative Interventions, and that is uh, my story and what I've done since to remain cancer-free. And okay. then the story uh, about uh, by Dr. Forsyth, a chapter by Bernie Siegel and the other people that I mentioned earlier. And then there's a couple chapters on the how-tos, how to meditate, how to visualize, how to do affirmations. Because I think people sometimes, how to develop your faith, I think people sometimes need a little help in um, learning to do some of these. Yes, sir. Okay, so Carl, there are no other new books besides this one. No, no. I keep busy, Tanisha, with my radio show. With uh, I counsel about 60 cancer patients. I hear from about 60 cancer patients every month. I'm setting up a holistic cancer foundation. Uh, I've done over 100 radio and television shows on my book, and so I keep very busy, but I enjoy it. it I think it keeps you uh, on your toes. It does, and you should be able to enjoy life, and that's one good thing about it. You're able to enjoy life. You're looking back on all this, and you're laughing now. It's like staring death right in the face and laughing at it. You can't take the devil can only take what you don't believe in. That's what he takes away to me. And God mm-hmm. will let you, God gives him permission to do this. He gives him permission to go and mess with you. But you got to have that, like I said in the beginning, you got to have a strong faith. If you right. believe, then everything will go peaches and cream. And that's what you did, Paul. You believed. You stepped out on faith. You didn't take no for an answer. And you took, you took your... You took your own life in your own hand, and you made it what it is today, and that's mm-hmm. what I'm glad to have you on my show. You really are a true inspirational man. You, you are a handsome man inside and out. Thank you, Technicia. I appreciate that. Yeah, I so do think what? people need to take control of their own lives. Take it out of the hands of the doctor. Use the doctor as a resource, but take control of your own life. Yeah. That's, because that's if you Because if you look at it just like the all, they're all men, and they're just here to do a mission, and that's mm-hmm. all. We're all here for a mission. That's what they are. They're just here mm-hmm. for a mission. They just back up. Right. But, Carl, right. is there anything else that you wanted to share with the listeners, how to get in touch with you and go about getting your book? Well, they can uh, reach me through my website. Uh, they can find my book on Amazon.com at Barnes & Noble. They uh, can go to my website and find it. They, if they want to uh, uh, communicate with me, my email is carlhelvey at cox.net. I'm always happy to talk with people that have cancer or have close friends that have cancer. And so uh, that's that's about it, Technicia. <laughs> Thank you, Carl, so much. I'm, I'm thankful that you was on this show today, and you and your family, you have a blessed one. And you too, Technicia. I appreciate being with you today. Thank, Thank you, you, Paul. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, I hope all stories.
word has touched you in so many ways. And as I said before, ladies, enjoy your day. Pamper and self-love yourself. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Bright Style with Technicia, and I'll see you tomorrow at noon. Thank you for tuning in to The Bright Side with Tanisha. Come back daily from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. God bless.